You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Fans, welcome to the Parastel Podcast on a Sunday. We have some actual college football, USC Trojan football to talk about today. Saturday night in the Coliseum, week zero, USC opened the 2023 regular season against the San Jose State Spartans with a 28-point victory, 56-28 to in the Coliseum. And we're going to talk with the coach, Harvey Hyde, about all that, you can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com, for all of his takes and content. And we love to get your questions. So uh, we'll be rolling a lot. We had a ton of shows. I think we had like six or seven podcasts go up in this past week. So make sure you get your questions in. Spe- specify who you want the podcast question to go to so we know uh, where to ask it because we do have a lot of shows and stuff going up. But podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address where you can call or text us at 424 424- Two five four nine one four one, and if you have the Apple Podcasting app, please follow us and leave a five star review uh, with comments, feedback, suggestions. We got a couple new ones I want to get to, like real quick before we jump into the show. Uh, Jebo seventeen said he gave a five star review and said the worst. That doesn't sound good, but he says the absolute worst USC podcast. Never do I look forward to listening to multiple times per week. Never do I listen to every minute of every episode. Never do I enjoy every personality personality they have on their multiple shows. Like I said, the worst with a winky emoji. So thanks for that, uh, Jebo. Looks like he uh, listens to all the shows. We we appreciate that. We had a ton, like I said, go up this last week. And uh, Westside705 had a five-star review that says, it's a must-listen for any USC fans. Love listening to the show uh, every episode. These guys are always on point, offering fresh Mostly non-Homer takes and insights. I listen to every episode that doesn't have uh, what I don't want to hear on it. Uh, I love that they just co- they don't just cover football, but tap into Olympic sports as well. Fight on. Um, so thank you, uh, Westside 705 and uh, Jebo17. Coach, I want to welcome you in and talk about what's going to go on for the rest of the season, what happened Saturday night. We got to get your takes on it all. How you doing today, sir? Hopefully you got some time to digest that game from uh, Saturday night. No, I did. It was an early game, and I had a show uh, during the game, whether you believe it or not, and I uh, was able to keep track of everything. Uh, it was uh, an opening game, and when you have an opening game, we've talked about it before, you really don't know what to expect. You don't know if you're that good or they're that good. You've been hitting each other, and uh, you think you've covered it all, and uh, you hope your uh, defense is ready to play. And uh, and big mistakes you can't have on the defensive side of the football. Your offense is all timing, call playing, taking advantage of what the defense is trying to do to you. And uh, I sort of analyzed that as we went along. And I don't want to 
uh, go and, and discuss the whole side of the game now one way or another. What I like to do, Ryan, is sort of answer some questions or have you ask me some questions. And then what I would do is uh, break it down for you if it's the running back or the quarterbacks or the overall offensive performance and then get to the defense or special teams or people that really stood out or things like that so we can be more specific, okay? Yeah, Coach, that's 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 great. We'll, we wanna, we, I know you have a lot of insight there. I got some. Uh, we want to hone you in. Uh, and talk about everything that's going on there. I just want to let people know, uh, if you're listening on Sunday, we will have a live Tunnel Vision show on Sunday night, and the podcast will go up on this platform as well. Uh, but we will be live in studio. Uh, Shotgun, Chris Trevino, um, and Jack Smith will be doing the live Tunnel Vision show. So a lot of sight- insights from all that. Uh, all those guys were at the game, as was I. Um, what I want to start with, Coach, because we'll get to the offense, defense, special teams. We'll kind of get your thoughts. But in general, uh, this was a a 31-point spread. USC ends up uh, going up by 35, giving up like a garbage touchdown, um, and then, you know, wins by 28. So it didn't cover the spread, but, you know, a resounding victory. The thing that was curious to me overall was I felt like my gut was I think USC is going to cover because they're going to come out and just really want to get the bad taste of the end of 2022 – out of their mouth and just kind of boat race this team, which is a good team. I think San Jose State's good. I mean, you saw uh, the quarterback was, you know, very athletic, fast, six-year guy. It's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of experience there. But the Lincoln Riley's approach was a little bit different. And I want to get your thoughts on this kind of overall approach. You know, they used a lot of players throughout the game, not when things were out of hand, every time. It was more, it felt more like, uh, like an audition, like a scrimmage. If you look at the offense, they everyone came out of the game except for Caleb Williams, Justin Dietrich, and Jonah Monheim. They used different tackles. Um, even Monheim came out for a little bit. Uh, so maybe just two, maybe just Dietrich was the only one that stayed in with Caleb Williams. They moved the running backs, uh, tight ends, wide receivers, of course. But they were using, I think they had three different offensive line configurations in the first four drives and then on defense it was sort of the same thing there was a lot of dudes um just you played a lot of guys and you know they would use these linebackers this drive and then this group of linebackers this drive and he moved over to here and he moves over there there were so much substitutions going on that it felt like you were trying Lincoln Riley talked about this he he's not really done something like this before but you get a lot of tape on a lot of players but this was happening before the game was out of hand. So I want to kind of get your th- overall thoughts on like the sort of, it was almost like hockey line substitutions that were going on where if you were trying to, if you said, hey, we got to beat this team by 50 and we don't care about the future, you might have had a set lineup, you know. But what you're doing is looking, trying to make sure you have the right guys on the field later on in the season is my gut feeling about this. Uh, but anyway, Lot, kind of long preamble there. What were your thoughts on how much rotations and stuff were going on throughout the game, Coach? Well, on the offensive side of the football, it's very difficult to get a rhythm when you're rotating a lot of players, linemen, receivers, running backs, so on. The timing is off, and, and it looked like to me the entire time the offense was not in rhythm, okay? I didn't think the play calling was in rhythm. I think there was a lot of questions going on. And basically what his thoughts were, they felt they could beat San Jose State, and they were using this as an exhibition game like the NFL does. 
as far as evaluating the players that can play, the ones that can execute, the new players, if it's easy, or even as far as in the competition. And also not only evaluate them as coaching staff, but let the players see it on tape, as he said in his post-game interview. interview uh, we got to take a look, and we've got to get better. And obviously they do have to get better if they're going to play for the things we talk about. But on the offensive side of the football, I think there was a lot of uh, no rhythm. They were out of sync. Uh, even that big touchdown play where when he the ball was snapped over his head and he threw the ball and they had I a 76-yard touchdown pass. I thought he got hurt on that, basically. I thought he, thought he hurt his hand. But, you know, those things are some of the freak plays that that guy can pull off. But uh, the timing wasn't there. I thought there should have been more running, running the outside with the running backs. I don't want to get into all of that. Right, right. Now, Just like the, the general thoughts no, of substitutions yeah, and stuff. Substitution, I think, on the offensive side of the football, it's confusing, and it takes rhythm, and it takes timing, and all of the above. And when you do so much substitution, it disrupts the whole thing. And that's why I really thought that Caleb was really frustrated throughout the entire game, and especially at the press conference. Yeah, and then, well, what about on the defensive side of the ball? I, I feel you, like, you have the Heisman Trophy winner coming back, and you give him three different offensive lines in the first four drives. I mean, I don't know if that's putting him in the the fairest of positions. I mean, he can handle it because he's Caleb Williams. Um, and I, I agree with you. I think the rhythm kind of gets messed up a little bit when you substitute that much. What about on the, the defensive side? Like, they did use a lot of guys. We saw Bear Alexander... Um, Anthony Lucas, uh, it, you know, out there on the first drive, and then they started bringing in um, different guys. They would use different linebackers. Uh, what? Any? Is there any issues or, or thoughts on playing as many guys as they did on defense? Well, I think they were trying to do is find out what the best combination was up front. First of all, I saw so many different combinations with guys playing and who played hard and who. Uh, did their assignments and who ran to the football, who tackled well, who put pressure on the quarterback, all of the above. And, I, and you know, watching that, I came up with some players that I really like, and I, I won't bring them up now when I'm talking about that, that I haven't seen play a lot. I hadn't seen Lucas play a lot or Height play a lot or, or Maha Muhammad play a lot and, and some of these guys, Alexander play a lot or Bars play a lot. Uh, Sullivan, uh, I had a chance to evaluate them, and I think that's what they want to see. And what is the best combination with those guys? Who is the people that get after them and uh, do the assignments and uh, plug the holes and get up the field and play and stop the run before it gets started? And I saw guys actually going to the wrong gaps and so on, and they're going to evaluate all that. They're going to have to correct all that before they play other teams. So when you rotate a lot, you know, you're running into the field and a lot of times you miss the signal, you don't get a feeling, you you know, that's a late, uh, 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 what do you mean, uh, correlation with the secondary, the back seven, with the linebackers. So, you know, there's a lot that throws the timing off when you rotate a lot. And until they get their best combination of when you look to the right and you look to the left and you know who's playing next to you and you can communicate with the guy, you can't look to the right, look to the left, and there's a different guy there. So you've got to get the rotations, and I think they did the same thing on defense. They want to see who played hard till the whistle. I think that's something they wanted to see on the defensive side. They wanted to see who could tackle. They wanted to see who didn't bust an assignment. And I think that's what they did on the defensive side of the football. Remember, the defense was on the field the entire first quarter. 
USC only had the ball one time in the first quarter. That's when they had their first drive and got their score. San Jose State was doing exactly what they wanted to do, keep the offense off the field early in the game. They they out, uh, they out had the ball 31 minutes to USC's 30 minutes or 29 minutes or whatever it was. So I think this is what happens both sides of the football. And it does, especially on the defense, because you've got secondary guys doing the same thing, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But I think that's what they were trying to do, to see who played till the whistle was blown. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Coach. It was it was just interesting. The approach was a little bit different. It was more about building for the future. Like you said, it, it was kind of like an exhibition game where you're like, okay, it's 21-14 at halftime, but we're going to win. It doesn't matter, but we're going to still play everybody. I mean, you, I feel like you put you know, some of the players in a more difficult position, but they definitely wanted to see. It seems like that was the MO. They want to see what the, the guys had. So let's we'll go down um, kind of by position – I mean, but, you know, the offensive, defense, and special teams. We'll start uh, on the offensive uh, side of the ball. Um, you know, they averaged four and a half, almost four and a half yards, uh, well, 4.7 yards a carry with sort of Austin Jones and Marshawn Lloyd uh, leading the way. Um, they combined for about 96 yards between uh, the two of them. Um, wanted to get your thoughts on the run game. It's, uh, you know, those guys look good. We saw Quentin Joyner come in, get some carries too. Um, but I feel like, you know, there was, there was times that it was good and there was times that it wasn't as great. Uh, but again, you're mixing up the offensive line. I think that makes it a little more difficult. Uh, it does. Uh, I think the guys want to play more when you rotate them. They really don't have a chance to get a, get the timing. We talk about that all the time where you can run, several plays in a row and get a feeling of what's going on on the defensive side of the football. You always hear me talk about that. You've got to have a feeling. Uh, you've got to go more plays. You've got to get a feeling who's the number one guy. and He's got to be a, not only on the run, but on the pass and the whole thing. So it's difficult to really judge that because you're really, yeah, you ran the ball 34 times, but uh, one guy didn't get the majority of the carries. And I think sometimes you got to have a feeling at the majority of the of the of the carries. Now I'm not saying those guys that carried the football did do a good job. Barlow, I still think, is a good football player. I mean, he runs the ball hard and does a great job, but so do the others. I would like to see more of a breakaway th- uh, threat as far as when a guy hits it, he's gone. But again, you can't have it all, so they they have the more of the. I'm not going to say a Lindell White type of back, because it's a combination of, it's not a Reggie Bush type of backfield or an Anthony Davis type of backfield, but it's a all-around utility uh, football team as far as their backs are concerned. They can catch the football. They can run the football. Uh, they do an adequate job. They've got to get down their pass blocking and the rules and recognizing defenses and so on, and uh, they'll be good as long as they can average and move the football and don't be afraid to run the football on first down so that it helps Caleb as far as the play-action pass. You always hear me talk about that. You can protect him when they respect the run. If the defense does not respect the run, who are they going to try to stop? The Heisman Trophy winner. And they're going to go all out to do that. So you've got to make them believe the defensive staff of the team you're going to play, they can run the football and they're not afraid to do it to beat us. Yeah, no, I agree with you, coach. And it you know, ends up being pretty even. 
Uh, there was a team rush that's, you know, basically Caleb Williams kneeling down, but um, 33, you know, rushes. I think two of them were sacks in there and then 33 passes. So that was pretty even. Uh, let's go to the passing game a little bit, you know, with uh, Caleb Williams. He was 18 to 25, 278 yards, four touchdowns. Um, got sacked a couple of times, like I had mentioned. Spread her out a lot. Uh, there was 12 different receivers that caught balls. Um, you know, Deuce Robinson ended up getting six catches in his first game. Pretty crazy. But Zachariah Branch was the star. Uh, four catches on four targets. He had a touchdown reception. And then he also, you know, we'll talk about in special teams what he was able to do. But Singer, you know, his first touch was a touchdown. Good to see him. Uh, Brendan Rice had one catch. It was a touchdown. Uh, you know, four catches for Mario Williams. You know, Lake McCree got involved a little bit. Um, Taj Washington had that huge broken play that turned into a touchdown. 76 yards, which is the longest of uh, Caleb Williams' career when he kind of dropped the snap. And uh, it was funny talking to Taj after the game. He he didn't know that the snap was fumbled, Coach, and he was just running his route. And he felt the defender sort of looked into the backfield. And then, uh, you know, he said it's kind of difficult sometimes when you're open and the ball's coming to you. But, you know, he made the catch and ran it in for the touchdown. So that was a huge play there. But, you know, it... I think it could have been a little bit more efficient. You know, Miller Moss came in, played a lot. He had he was five of seven for sixty three yards, and he had rushed in a touchdown. You know, when the game was sort of out of hand. But what did you make of the the passing game with so many different receivers getting into this one? Well, you know, I said this on the tweets, uh, as everyone knows, if they follow me every quarter at the end of the quarter, I tweet out what USC must do or must correct or whatever, or what I do more, or whatever. And uh, that's just followed me at Coach Harvey Hyde, uh, at Coach Harvey Hyde. But, uh, see, if they just wanted to move the football, they run the spread, the complete spread, with no remaining backs, quick uh, snap, throw slants, outs, corners, so on. San Jose could never stop them, okay? Never, because the receivers are so gifted. And when you spread the field, there's no way it's impossible to stop all those people. I would think, but uh, they didn't do that. So they came back in and they ran their best, their their regular, try to run their regular offense. But what I didn't like in the passing game, if you call it the combination of the run passing game, is all the option plays, run pass options they gave to Caleb Williams. He's not going to last the season. He ran the football way too many times. I never would, I never allowed Randall Cunningham to do that in any way. And they were running the option pass to the right, option pass to the left. And uh, he was getting harassed and hit, knocked down and so on. And, hey, he can't take that beating the entire year. All it takes is one time, and you've lost your quarterback. Not that Bill Moss didn't do a good job when he came in, but I didn't like him running the football that much. I didn't like it. But, again, who am I to not like it or like it? But, again, I'm going to protect him. You can't touch him. He hasn't been hit since the last Cotton Bowl, and here he is in his first game getting knocked around a lot, getting sacked twice. Uh, he got hit on the pass that he threw for a touchdown. He's running this option play to the right and the left that really, to me, looked pretty corny. It worked once, but, uh, you know, who am I to call it a corny play? If you want to stretch the defense and the running game, then getting a strong set or weak set or whatever you want to do with your running back and run – tosses and run at their secondary guys and make their secondary guys tackle your backs outside and so on or what you need to do but not with my quarterback 
Now, I'm not going to do that with my quarterback. Now, I'm not telling you not to run him on the bootleg and so on when they're stopping everything. And But I'd say make it an option run and pass. I'd rather have him pass than run. So that's what I didn't like about the passing game as far as the much, as many times as he got hit. And, uh, you know, he, they were putting a rush on him, too. So if you're gonna if you're gonna get that rush put on you, you got to have a way to take it away. And you know, I I don't know if if he believes in draws, but a lot of times what happens when they're rushing you a lot, a draw doesn't hurt occasionally, or a fake draw pass and hit the guy over the middle and when they're stunning a lot, throw the ball where the linebackers coming and there's an open space there. So these are just the little things that I can say without looking at film or knowing what the game plan was. Yeah, all right, makes sense, coach. Uh, Let's go over to the defensive uh, side of the ball. One of the things I was looking at going into this game, and uh, if you recall USC in their three losses, uh, two to Utah and one to Tulane, one of the biggest issues was tackling. And, you know, there was just broken tackles, at least 12 uh, missed tackles in each of those losses for USC. And I think it was like, I think against Utah, at least according to Pro Football Focus, one of the games was like 24 missed tackles and one had 18. And I think Tulane, USC missed 12. So I thought like, you know what? If this team tackles better, they got better athletes out there, they're going to be okay. And I try to keep track every every uh, quarter coach. And I only saw a couple. I think Taka Curtis, the, uh, the true freshman linebacker who played a lot, he had a couple sort of later in the game. You know, there were some where the, you know, the quarterback who was, you know, really fast and elusive – would like get maybe touched, but I wouldn't call it like a broken tackle. Now there were definitely opportunities where USC wasn't, didn't have anybody there and maybe they were pursued. They left, you know, left their gap or didn't, you know, uh, hold the edge and someone went free. But when it came to a body on a body, for the most part, I thought USC brought the ball carriers to the ground. I don't know if that's something you noticed or saw. Am I crazy? Um, Let's start with tackling and then we'll get to some of the other aspects of the defense. No, I thought they tackled better. I did uh, than what they had done in the past. I really did. And a lot of times the backs got in the secondary. I'm not talking about catching as far as passes yet. But when the backs ran through the line of scrimmage and got momentum going, it's hard to stop a guy like that. Because you've got a guy blocking you, a receiver blocking you, you've got to get off the block and then get in the position. And basically you want to just bring the guy to the ground so he doesn't run for a touchdown. But in most of those cases, there was a mistake up front. Someone went to the wrong gap, or two D lines with the defensive line went to the same gap, or the defensive lineman got driven back and the linebacker couldn't get to that gap. Well, you've got to stop the run before it gets started and tackle near the line of scrimmage with penetration with your backers and your defensive linemen by overpowering the guys or going where you're supposed to go where the backs don't start a, a steamrolling down the field where your secondary guys, you hear me talk about, make the secondary guys do all the tackling because they don't want to tackle. They're not used to tackling. They want to cover. So what you want to do is make them tackle a lot because they're not normally bigger guys. They've got to take a guy on, and they want to get into the ground. So you want to get the guy stopped before he gets started so that the secondary guy doesn't get pounded and have to make tackles. And in some situations, it's very difficult to do. Now, I thought the secondary did tackle better, better than they had tackled last year. So I see improvement there. I see improvement there. 
and I think they've got to, you know, get straightened away some of the mistakes on the defensive front that makes these guys make these tackles. I agree with you, Coach. I, I mean, I think that, you know, we see the fans on uscfootball.com message boards, on Twitter. It's just like, fire Grinch, fire Alex Grinch, fire Alex Grinch. It just comes over and over and over again. The tackling was terrible. I'm like, well, I think you're just used to complaining about things. I would say the tackling got better. And I would say overall, the personnel, To I want to get your thoughts on the personnel, because it looked better to me. I mean, last year, you had a guy like Shane Lee, who wasn't coming off the field, who breaks his hand and is a club, and they still can't get him off the field because they don't have anybody that can go in for him. So he's playing and probably playing more downs than he should, more, you know, plays than he should, playing hurt where he has one arm, you know, one hand. And now you watch, they rotated a bunch of guys and Shane Lee played special teams and wasn't even playing at the linebacker spot. So I feel like they have so much more depth. There's better players out there. Um, did you, did it look like, forget what the performance was or whatever, you know, giving up 28 points to San Jose state. Did it look like there was better personnel out on the field? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this uh, kid, uh, Curtis, is going to be a great linebacker. Why do you think they left him on the field? They wanted to play. They wanted to get experience. Mason Cobb is a leader. He's a uh, fired-up type of guy, no-nonsense type of guy. Uh, absolutely, I think they're better. They got better rush guys. They got better down linemen. Uh, they're much better talent-wise. They run better than big guys can run. I love watching Alexander run. I love watching Bear run. These guys run to the football. Sullivan was trying to run. He plays hard. And, and I'm really uh, impressed with the outside pressure that they got. I thought Lucas played well. Uh, they power rush a lot. I like to do see him uh, power rush and then change the technique just a little bit, like a swim technique or so on. With a defensive lineman or underarm power type of rush uh, where you can get by the offensive tackle just to mix it up a little bit. But they came hard. They played hard. They're better athletically in the front seven. Athletically, they're faster and they're bigger and they're taller. So I think there's no question in my mind that they're a better defensive front up front. I See, so that's coach. I love to hear that. And I feel like that's what I saw too when we were watching practice and you're just looking like, guys, this is going to be a completely different defensive front. And now what happens is we say that and I we do stories and we talk to the players and, and we give our analysis like, I think the defense is going to be better. But if you look at the results, they give 28 points to San Jose State. It was a really bad end of half touchdown. Um, I mean, that you know, that a lot of fans were really upset about to make it 21-14. And it just sort of left, like the results left a bad taste in people's mouths. And I'm not sure, I, where. how do you make of that? Like, are you putting a lot of stock into that? Do you feel like just playing a whole bunch of guys was part of this? That San Jose State was actually not bad, you know, and Chevin Cordero is a, you know, six-year quarterback who really was fast and hard to tackle. And I mean, just a kind of a special talent at quarterback. What do you make of the results? Because I feel like a lot of the fans are like, this is just terrible defense. I'm like, man, you're not seeing the same thing. Like, yeah, there were some similar results, but I'm seeing what you're seeing. It looks like a lot better talent out there. But how do you kind of marry the fact that the, the talent looked better, but the results might be a little similar? 
What did I tell you the headlines were going to be last week when we did our podcast? I said the headlines are going to be about the defense, not about the win. How did the defense play? What did I tell you about Cordell, the quarterback from San Jose State? I said he's a great player. He's got a lot of great athletic ability. I don't know if they will face a quarterback the rest of the year that's better than an athlete as far as being able to run and pass the ball and a leader and a tough kid. You know, he doesn't slide either. He slid one time where they could get a first down, and I couldn't believe he actually slid. He played in Hawaii, transferred to San Diego State. I've known about him. He's a great player. I think he was the most valuable player, offensive player, in the Mountain West Conference last year. I'm not sure, but I believe that what what he was. So, you know, he, he caused problems to their defense, but they had a chance to take a look at an athletic quarterback and what was going on, and they can learn from this. So it's always great to get the W, and we can always be negative. And I'm probably the number one guy that tells you the way it is when something's not right. Well, you know, there are things that aren't right we're talking about, but they're fixable. They're fixable. It's not like, oh, my. I think last year I was saying, oh, my. I'm not quite sure the athletic ability's there. I'm, oh, my. But, like, what do I always say? You can't coach a kid that can't play. But you can coach a kid that can play. And I think they've got some players that can play. It's now getting the right combination, making sure they don't make mistakes like they blew a couple secondary calls or whatever, and don't let it happen. And I think that's what they're going to be working on. I love that, Coach. I think that's great. And and if the people listen to the show and some people don't like whatever it is, if you don't like our takes or – I think that – both of us were trying to give it to you straight. And sometimes they'll get mad if they say, oh, you said this was going to be great and it wasn't or whatever. You you would be the first person. And you, and even when I was more positive on some of the defensive stuff last year, you were the one that was saying, oh, my. Like You're like, I'm not liking what I'm seeing. I think what we're seeing now is sort of justified be, you know, for what you were saying last year, that some of the guys that were getting – that were starting – weren't even playing in their positions this year, and they're still on the team. So that means you know more than one person came in to jump them, and they're not even getting into the two-deep rotation. I, I think that kind of shows that, okay, they've upgraded the, the talent. Now, we got to wait and see if the overall defense is going to be you know any better. I, I agree with you. Uh, Chevin Cordero looked really good to me. Um, he was the preseason you know, Mountain West player of the year going into this one for the whole conference. So if he makes some special plays, you know, they had a diving catch in the end zone that coverage looked pretty good. That there was there was definitely some busts and there were some mistakes. Uh, maybe some over pursuing, some gap stuff. But I I felt like the overall effort was better. And I think just people were so ingrained. Like, they were just like, no, Grinch sucks. That's what I've decided. There's no way. It doesn't matter if you have uh, you know, Lawrence Taylor. Like they're gonna just be terrible. Like, I feel like that's just some fans. And until you get some better defensive performances against better teams. I don't know if anyone's going to even back off that or even if they will. But I like what you're saying here, Coach, because it just feels to me like it's still a better defense um, you know, than what we have saw last year. No, I agree with you. Now, where they have to re- get some work done, and uh, this is where I'm, I'm critical, is you can't allow big plays in the secondary. You can't have busted plays. And I think a lot of this happens because you play a lot of players. You've got to get a a group of five or six that play together, that recognize uh, offenses, the sets, and sometimes they get confused. I don't know who I have or what was the call and this and that. 
you got to have a captain back there to make sure everyone is lined up. And what San Jose was doing is flopping their tight ends one way or another. And you looked at times like they were confused a bit. They'd slide down, they'd slide back. And when you do that type of stuff, young players and people aren't making the right adjustments. So they're going to see more of that if that caused confusion to the defense. I would do it. I would come out, shift, right, shift, left, move my flop, my tight end, put motions in. You didn't see any motion last night at all, Harley, to make them find out exactly what to do and how to make adjustments. So I think you've got to work with the secondary as far as getting a group to want to play with. I know you told everybody, uh, you know, we're going to give everybody a chance, which you did. And you had a chance to see them on tape. But you've got to make a decision, especially on the back end, who your guys are so they work as a unit. Because if they make a mistake, it's not like a missed tackle and they made 10 yards. It's like a possible touchdown. So you've got to be really good in that area, especially against great teams. All right, let's move on to special teams. Um, and this, I, I tweeted something about this, Coach. Sort of reminded me of back in like 2016 when USC um, had pretty bad special teams units, which you know, they've had for quite a while, making a lot of mistakes, things like that. But they had a Dory Jackson. And he sort of just fixed a lot of stuff. Like, oh, how do you say special teams are bad when he's doing all these crazy things? Which was normally, the blocking wasn't even that good. He just did amazing things with the ball in his hand. I got the, I'm sort of reminiscent of that. There was at least two special teams penalties. They gave up, uh, allowed an onside kick to be executed against them. Um, I, You know, Eddie uh, Zaplicki comes in, you know, all Pac-12 punter. He was kind of mediocre, averaging 41 and a half yards a punt. Like nothing that really super impressed me there, but you had Zachariah branch and you know, he had three punt returns along a 35, like two really good ones. I thought. And then of course that 96 yard uh, kickoff return for a touchdown where he sort of like slowly went towards the middle and then just took off and people were flying, but he was flying by people and I don't know they they didn't know what to do. It was special. It was magical. But I felt like special teams were bad, except for Zachariah Branch. Any thoughts on, you know, the special teams? And, and obviously, we got to talk about Branch because he was uh, absolutely dynamic. Well, I thought special teams were much better, but you got a lot of production out of it. Of course, you want to get better on the punting side of it, which uh, he's an all pac 10 player. So I tell him, hey, buddy, it's time to hang the trophy on the wall. It's time to play again this year. We expect that type of performance for field position out of you and so on. I mean, you got to be honest with these kids. Uh, I saw Branch play in high school, okay, many times. Uh, I don't know if you did, Bishop Gorman High School. They got one of the, well, they're ranked number two in the country again this year. They beat Long Beach Poly this past week, a great football team from Southern California, 60-15 to 15 in uh, at a, up the Nike uh, uh, campus. So they have great athletes, and this kid is used to playing against great teams. And this kid has a lot of confidence, and he knows how to set up things. If you watch the way he set up his kickoff return, he waited to see where the seam was. There's always a seam. He didn't run straight up the field and see and run into tacklers. He waited. He let the block set up, and he hit it. And when he hit it, then he took advantage of breaking to the right, breaking to the left. He's an open field runner, and he's got great speed. So it's hard to adjust 
your pursuit angle when he's going to outrun you. And he showed that as far as his kickoff return. He does the same thing on his punt returns. You're going to see now in the near future, they're not going to putt the ball to him. Okay? I wouldn't. I'd be putting to the corners or putting where he's not going to touch the football. Or I'd be doing a different type of kickoff now to him where he's not going to touch the kickoff. Or it's going to be a bouncing type of kickoff to the corner by the flag where he can't set it up and the goal and the sideline is all defensive players. So he's going to have to run back to the wide side and I'm going to take advantage of the sideline as far as covering the kickoff. So you're going to see a lot of this happen, but he's exciting. Every time he touches the football, there's a possibility for him to break it for a score. And that's something that USC has lacked. Not that they haven't had great athletes, lack the guy that puts it in afterburners and he's gone. No matter what your angle is, he is gone. And this is a dangerous guy that you're going to have to see them cover them differently in the secondary, but you got to get him the football because he's so exciting to watch play that he's going to cause a real difficult situation for the defense. And uh, special teams, I think it really ticked off Lincoln Riley last night when he called a timeout and told him about the onside kick, and then they still got the onside kick. Uh, I think that I think that upset him was their onside kicking when the score is 58 to 26 and just run the play out or whatever you're going to do. And uh, so he put the first defense back in there. So uh, I don't know. That's just all part of it. Yeah, there's always ways to improve. Yeah. Um, with with Branch, I was coming down uh, in the elevator chatting with uh, Bill Plaschke of the LA Times uh, after the game. And just, you know, he was kind of uh, talking about, you know, who he reminds you of. And it's like, well, obviously Reggie Bush comes up, kind of a Dory Jackson. Um, Zachariah Branch isn't as tall of a guy, but he's built, you know. So it's sort of like more like a Dory side of like size, but like you know, built thick, like, you know, thicker like a Reggie Bush, not as t- maybe not as tall as him. Um, but the breakaway speed, the ability to shift and change directions without missing a beat, that's very Reggie-like, you know? Um, there was like this smoothness to what Adori would do. But I don't know, how would you compare him to those two guys or anyone else? I mean, I've heard Tyreek Hill a bunch. Um, I mean, he's his own player, but how would you, any kind of comparison for Zach Branch? Zachariah Branch, he wants to be Zachariah. He doesn't want to be Zach. Zachariah Branch, my apologies. Uh, I don't know who I'd compare him with at USC. Uh, he's faster than the guys you're talking about. Now, Reggie Bush was fast, but this guy's got unbelievable speed. He's smoother. He runs with a long stride like O.J. Simpson. Got a long stride. Can change directions on the field like O.J. Simpson. Uh, he isn't a cut back and forth type of back like Mike Garrett or Reggie Bush was. He wouldn't be a great probably running back uh but he's got tremendous speed and he knows how to run with the football and use the open field he's real good at this and he did this in high school he did it in the the high school all-american game if you remember he ran a kickoff back there for a touchdown uh he's good at it and he loves to do it but to compare him i i don't know i could compare him with guys of the past that uh gail sayers he runs like gail sayers i mean these are names that you guys don't even know uh, Long Strider, uh, uh, Johnny Rogers from Nebraska, 
players like that that took advantage of everything. When there was a seam, he hit it. And when you hit it, it's bye-bye, baby. You might as well run to the sideline because I'm going across that line down there where you get six points. Yeah, strike up the band. Um, all right, well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. we got a couple questions, and we'll get some final thoughts on USC's 56-28 win over San Jose State. Back in a minute. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Uh, Coach, we kind of went over the different aspects of the game. Anything we didn't touch on or anything you want to sort of discuss uh, before we get into a couple questions? No, I think you did it. I think we covered it uh, completely. There's, you know, we could go on and on uh, with this. Uh, we could talk about next week's game and what you're going to try to accomplish there. Uh, well, but, uh, you know, just I think we talked about what people want to know. And uh, I think it's time to take their questions, if you have any. Sounds good. All right. Uh, we had a text message from Nelson in Scottsdale. He says, Deuce Robinson is listed on the depth chart as a wide receiver, not a tight end. Do you anticipate this changing further into his career at USC? And he said this before uh, kickoff. And like I mentioned, he had um, six catches in the game. And it was all after um, Caleb Williams came out. So I think it was the first pass from... Miller Moss went to uh, Deuce Robinson, but he had, I'm sorry, he had three catches. He was targeted six times. My apologies. Three catches, uh, 44 yards, and uh, he had a long of 35. I think he's a great receiver, too. I think they've got some great freshman guy players. I really do. They had a great recruiting class as far as what I can see as far as the offensive lineman that started at left guard. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Uh, gosh darn it. He he really played well. I think they got a lot of backup guys that are freshman players, sophomore players. Uh, they really did. So you know, uh, uh, damn, I got carried away here. I can't remember what, what was the question. Oh. <laughs> we were talking about Deuce saying. Robinson playing tight end. Would he switch to tight end? Oh yeah, no, he's a big target. Good hands. Drop one pass, I think, early, but caught a pass and did a good job and. 
I think he's going to be a great player. I really do. And I like to see him in the way he's playing because he's a, a fast type of big guy, type bigger than most or faster than most tight ends. Because really, the tight end in the USC offense, we've talked about it, basically and utilized. Yeah. All right. John Abrea wrote in. He says, I never played football. Uh, I'm confused. I don't understand what type of defense USC has tried to run. USC's X's are all bigger than San Jose State's O's, but it seemed that Coach Grinch was trying to out-scheme San Jose State. What's the difference between USC, what USC is trying to do on defense and what, for example, Oregon State does on defense? If USC and Oregon State's defensive uh, if USC had Oregon State's defense last year and probably this year, they would be a lock for the playoffs. But USC has more talented players on defense than Oregon State, supposedly. I don't get it, John and Brea. Well, there's no secrets in defense. Uh, most teams use the same uh, idea of how to stop the spreads and the, and the offense that's going on right now. If you look at most of the offenses in the country, they're all the same. Uh, when you watch one team play, it's almost the same as the other team plays. It just depends who they're their outstanding players are and how they take uh, uh, advantage of them and who performs and who doesn't perform and who executes and doesn't execute. There's only so many ways to defense certain offenses and then you do down-distance situations when it's third and long or whatever it might be. You substitute and you put more of a rush type of kid in there than you do a run type of kid. You put your uh, rushers in there and then whatever you have to do. So it, there's nothing different between the defenses. Uh, the really it's just execution and getting it done. And I can't even remember what Oregon State did defensively or who their players are or anything else. I can't kid you. So uh, I don't really know. But, you know, there's only certain ways to play defense and cover. And today, with the quarterbacks being so athletic, you know, they've got a, a second running back at quarterback or the 12th man on quarterback. And you've got to be able to, uh, cover that 12th man, but in the past, that quarterback never ran the football. You knew where he was, right in the pocket, and you went after him. So that's why today it's so difficult for defenses to stop a lot of these offenses because of the extra man. All right. Uh, we have a question from Coach B in San Diego. It says, hey, guys, wild game to watch. I'm not making a prediction, nor am I pitching for this to happen, but if it did, what would the season look like for Zachariah Branch to win the Heisman? With 250 all-purpose yards each week and two TDs each week do it if most of those yards were for returns. Um, it almost worked for Christian McCaffrey, but he was a running back and had he had huge receiving numbers, um, you know, running numbers and return numbers. I think, yeah, if you were like in the 200 all-purpose yards, uh, you know, 250 per game and a couple of touchdowns. I mean, that's you're going to have some massive numbers there. Uh, but I think he would probably have to be involved in the the actual off. It couldn't just about be returns. It would have to be on the offense more. And I don't think he's going to get as many return opportunities like you were saying. Uh, but hey, any kind of thoughts on that, Coach? Yes, if that game would have been nothing against the Pac-12 network, but if that game would have been a national type of broadcast on, ABC, CBS, or ESPN, he'd have got a lot of raves. They've been talking about it. They would be talking about who the number one candidate is for the Heisman Trophy. Probably him if he continued it. I'm going to be honest with you. I think that was the most uh, tremendous uh, performance of uh, college football in zero week. I mean, I know there were other players that had a great week, uh, but I think as a newcomer to college football, 
I think he rang the bell. I think he really did. And I think he's going to be an exciting player. And I think television is going to want to have him on, along with the Heisman Trophy winner and him. I think they're going to want to have him on. And I don't know if they've selected all the television times or not. But here's a guy I want to expose to my national broadcast because if I give the right publicity to this kid, and it's hard to push two kids in the, on the same team for the Heisman Trophy. But right now, USC's got that problem after zero weeks. So let me, I'm going to give you some context. So 2015 is when Christian McCaffrey broke Barry Sanders' NCAA record of 3,250 all-purpose yards. He had 3,864 all-purpose yards So and did not win the Heisman. Now, he was at Stanford if a USC player does that. But he ran for over 2,000 yards, um, averaging six yards a carry. He had four, 645 yards receiving, um, 130 in punt returns, but he had uh, over 1,000 kickoff return yards. So, yeah, 3,864 3, all-purpose yards. Pretty ridiculous. <laughs> and he didn't win the Heisman, which was a travesty, but a lot of it is just no one saw him play. Um, no, you know, no, let me just comment on that. Yeah. Another player that didn't win the Heisman is Anthony Davis. It should have won the Anthony Davis. They voted before Anthony Davis had his game against Notre Dame. So he changed that voting system. I think Kristen McCaffrey should have been the Heisman Trophy winner. I, I'm, I'm, and I don't know who won it, so I'm not talking against anybody. It was Derrick Henry, I but believe, it, that year. Who did? I think it was Derrick Henry, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. All right. Nobody surpassed what he did that year for that Stanford football team. I saw the Rose Bowl game. On the first play of the Rose Bowl game, they hit him on a slot pass, and he goes all the way for a touchdown. And I'm telling you, he can run as fast as he needs to run. And he scored a touchdown. That's what convinced me what a great athlete and football player he was. He did a great, great job. And Anthony Davis... I mean, what a great player he was. He returned punts. He kicked off. Can you imagine he kicked off? He threw passes. He was a quarterback in high school, so he had an arm. I mean, unbelievable. I saw him yesterday at the high school, California High School Hall of Fame, along with Dennis Smith and Ronnie Lott and everybody they're having in the Rose Bowl. They cut the ribbons yesterday. And unbelievable when you think about guys that have not won the Heisman Trophy that should possibly have won the Heisman Trophy. Not the other guys weren't great, but, man, how can you bypass these guys? Yeah. All right, we got a couple more. We'll let you go. Uh, Sergeant Rodney, Rodney Strong says, Welcome to the 2023 season, boys. I'm excited to see this season start off with a 56-28 win against San Jose State. But, boy, let me tell you, this defense frustrates the sugar-honey iced tea out of me. That, that's really frustrating. It sounds like we are making some of the boneheaded plays, and if our deep the same, some of the same boneheaded plays, and if our defense plays like this against Oregon or Washington, we will probably lose that game. Am I too harsh with my assess assessment of the defense, with it only being game one, or are other people frustrated like I am with our defense? Thank you, boys, for your hard work. Looking forward to an amazing and informative uh, season from you all. Fight on from Sergeant Strong. Well, Sergeant, it's good to have you back, and uh, let me put it to you this way. Now it comes down to coaching. We've evaluated the personnel. Now let's, let's see what happens before we just jump ahead too far. We all have evaluated what, what our thoughts are. 
the coaches are evaluating their thoughts on what they are. They know who they have to play. They have to get the right players on the field. They know who their top opponents are. Let's see how they improve this week. Let's see if they still rotate. Let's see if they get down the mistakes that were made. Let's see if they have a better game plan, if they utilize their players better. All of the above. That's where you find out how good they're going to be. It's a little early now to say how good USC is going to be. And I said that before. If the defense, and a couple of times we've been doing these podcasts, yes, the key is the defensive side of the football and how good they really are to get the other team off the field so they don't run the clock down like they did in the first quarter and USC only had the football one series. So it is back to the defense and how they're going to be. You know, they always say defense win championships. Maybe that's a really true statement. So let's see what happens. Let's see how they play. Let's don't jump to conclusions. I got all those same type of texts as you did too, Ryan, last night, telling me how bad everything was. And uh, I don't feel that way. I'm going to say, hey, give, give a coach a break. Give him a chance to correct some of these mistakes. Now, if down the line next week we see the same mistakes and against Stanford we see the same mistakes and against Arizona we see the same mistakes and this and that or whatever, now we can make an evaluation. But right now it's a little early to make an evaluation on exactly just how good USC is, and I'm sure you heard the coaches say that. The coach says, we got a lot of work to do. Well, they're not blind to these things either. So let's see what happens. Yeah. Uh, hey, real quick, we get the last question. I thought the San Jose State uniforms were pretty sharp. I like just the white and blue. I thought they looked pretty good. Did you? I thought it was like a nice, clean look. Did you feel that way? Yeah, that's what I like. I like uniforms so I know who they are. I mean, I watch some team plays, and I have to wait for the announcer to tell me what game I'm watching. <laughs> I do. I see purple helmets. I see all the designs on the helmets. Uh, I see teams and colors that really aren't their school colors. You know, I'm a old traditional type of guy. Yeah. I like to when SC runs on the field, I know who they are. When Notre Dame runs on the field, I know who they are. When Michigan runs on the field, I know who they are. When Ohio State runs on the field, I know who they are. These other teams are running on the field trying to be somebody else, but they're embarrassed who they are. Yeah, I thought it was really clean. And it's funny, I took a little offense in the press conference because Lincoln Riley was giving credit to San Jose State saying that I didn't get one question about them. I've, I tried to ask everybody about the opponent. Like, I always do that. And uh, I don't remember if I got to ask Riley this week, but I did get to ask players and stuff about it. So I, I respected the opponent. I don't know, but he, he took a shot at all of us. But anyway, one well, last voicemail, and then we'll let you go, Coach. Here you go. Hey, Ryan. Um, Zeddy from Orange. got to say the, uh, the P is awesome. Everyone should sign up, um, you know, for, uh, you know, VIP service on, on your website. Love it. It's awesome. Uh, that being said, sometimes half the posters on there out of their minds. I, I, I got to say this because I'm sure you're going to get a lot of complaining. I actually was impressed with the way the D played. Thought they had a ton of improvement of the way the D line played. You know, there's a lot of improvement that needs to be done. You know, Tackett missed uh, a player or two that cost you know some big runs, but you know, it, you see a much improved defense than you did last year, right? It, there was a couple things that they'll have to clean up, but did they clean up like three plays? You know, the score is you know, 14 
this to 56. So much improved. I'm actually excited for this year. Um, the D line looks explosive. So looks good. Uh, my question to you is, what do you think the best uh, four man front would be? I personally think that they should move um, Mohammed to rush end and then move um, Lucas back to D end. I think that would be the cleanest version of the defensive line, uh, like the explosiveness there. So, plus guys later. Edge from Orange. Well, you know, uh, you know, you watch the game carefully, and I like what your observation is. And uh, I did like Muhammad, and I did like Lucas. We talked about that earlier. So I tight. I think they got out to the football. They did come across the line of scrimmage and caused problems. And you need to do that. Now you got to get the big guys up front to get back there too and make the guy step up in the pocket. And if he steps up in the pocket, then the big guys get him. Got to keep him, con- uh, you know, contained and do the things you need to do. But uh, like I said, uh, uh, now you do a lot of evaluation of who you play where and uh, what exactly happens. And and like you said, uh, Ryan, earlier, you didn't see Corey Foreman in the game one play. You didn't see Lee in the the game one play because special teams. Uh, So there's an improvement there. And there's players who played in the past that aren't playing this year. So you've got to give them time. These guys haven't played together before. They haven't hit. They haven't been in combat before. It's like taking the beach for the first time. You're sort of scared, too, when you go in the foxhole. So give them some time. I'm going to be supportive this show. I'm not going to be critical because you got the W, but I'm going to see just where we go from here. All right, Coach. Well, Eddie, that was a great voicemail. Thanks very much. Um, Keeping a level head. He always does that. Oh, maybe not always does that, but he likes to do that. And coach, we appreciate uh, what you do and coming in and sharing all your thoughts and not pulling any punches. It's always a lot of fun to talk about the game with you. I miss talking about games with you. We talk about all this offseason stuff. Now we can talk about games again. I love it. Um, but coach, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate uh, you and uh, all the years of being able to chat football with you. It's a lot of fun and I'm happy to do another season with you. So thanks again for coming on. Well, thank you, Ryan. Uh, I really enjoy you on my shows too. You were on my show last week. I appreciate that in return and you do a great job too. I like asking you questions. It's sort of neat (laughs) and uh, getting your feeling. We went over all the personnel and you broke that down for everybody, which I don't know if you do that on your shows or not, but you did a great job of doing that and making me aware as far as everybody aware of what you've seen out there in fall camp as much as you could see. And again, I'm going to be starting, if you don't mind me to cross promote a little of bit, course, I'm going to yeah. be starting starting my show on Sunday morning, starting next Sunday at uh, on AM 830, which is the Angel Station. I'll be on at 10 o'clock, 10 to 12 on September the 3rd, and we'll be talking about that. And also, you and I will be doing podcasts the entire football season without commercials, Ryan. So, you know, we get more, when we do an hour or more than an hour, there aren't any commercial breaks. And uh, on other stations, we are taking commercial breaks. So I think we get a thorough thought process here without being interrupted. And we take a lot of calls. I normally don't take calls, but I respect all of your listeners and members of uscfootball.com. So I want to thank you all for being a part of this and other shows that we do and and, uh, fight on. 
All right, Coach. Thanks again. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this uh, episode of the Peristyle Podcast. We've got a lot more coming up the whole rest of the week, so make sure you check out uscfootball.com for that. We actually have a special going on if you want to join uh, VIP membership. It's half off, 50% off. So it ends up being like less than, it's like $450 a month or something. It is completely cheap. You're going to love it. Uh, make sure you get in there. Uh, Eddie from Orange talked about the P. That's the Peristyle, our premium message board, which is absolutely going off and crazy uh, and a lot of fun. A lot of good informed posters. A lot of people just really upset and venting, but there's a lot of going on over there at the Peristyle. So if you're not a member, this is a perfect time to do it because you can get it for half off and it is well worth it. You will love it. So thanks for Ron, the coach. Ron, Ron. No, wait a minute. Wait, let me interrupt. Sure. Hey, hey listeners, that's a one cup of coffee, okay? <laughs> one cup of coffee. To listen to the website, okay? USCfootball.com. Yeah. Come on, get off your wallet. It's time to enjoy the college football season. Okay, that's all I had to say. Thanks, Coach, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by USCfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.